are listening to Enlight, the podcast for education, leadership, and innovative teaching. Hello, and welcome to Enlight, where we explore and showcase leadership and innovations in education. I'm your host, Sean McMinn, Director of the Center for Education Innovation at HKUST. Today, we're deep diving into the digital age of learning with our guest, Professor Emeritus Ravi Gunateleka from the Division of Integrative Systems and Design. We'll be talking about massive open online courses, or MOOCs, as they revolutionize the way we perceive education. We'll also be discussing their benefits, challenges, and the potential they hold for transforming learning. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Enlight podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having as our guests, Professor Ravi Gunateleka. Ravi is a professor emeritus for the Division of Integrative Systems and Design, and also professor emeritus for the Department of Industrial Engineering and Decision Analytics. His research interests are design theories, design thinking, human-computer interaction, product design, and psychophysical modeling. He's been with us here at UST for a number of years. I'm going back to the very beginning, I believe. He's also contributed a lot in the area of online teaching and learning by producing MOOCs for us. And today I, we have him here to talk a little bit about that experience. Welcome to the show, Ravi. Thank you very much, Sean. Wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind converting your courses or your materials into a MOOC. All right. So uh, let's begin. Uh, so basically, this is something that I really wanted to do for some time because it helps people to learn a subject from anywhere in the world. You know, it's easier for students to learn at their own pace. I think this is one of the biggest advantages uh, on their own timeline. You know, I've been teaching at uh, uh, UST for 27 years uh, before I retired. And one of the things that I found is that the attention span of students is very limited. So they never really capture all the material. Having these recordings really help them to revise, go over things over and over again at their own speed so that they can really master the concepts and principles that I talk about. So this really uh, initiated my thinking about, you know, maybe this is a good thing to do. And it's something that I always wanted to do, to create a really interactive and engaging learning experience. And I thought about this for many years, really, uh, seriously, to how to provide some multimedia content and activities that can be completed so that, you know, students can review, go through them at their own pace in their whatever location they are in. You're emphasizing a lot on the, the concept of self-paced and at their own pace. And I think this is a pretty important concept to take hold of. In fact, I had that conversation with my MA students just this afternoon. It's their first time taking a fully online course. It's different from a MOOC, but it's still fully online. And I explained to them the very same thing. I mean, one of the benefits of these type of courses is it allows you to go and work with the content at your own pace. Now, when you had this in mind and you were designing the course, can you maybe describe to us the process that you went through in designing the MOOCs with that in mind? Because it forces you to rethink how you deliver the content, doesn't it? Absolutely, yes, yeah. <laughs> so at the beginning, it was a really uphill task. There was really a barrier between, you know, me doing it, even though I wanted to do it. You know, it's something that I was thinking for a long time, but, you know, I didn't want to cross this barrier because I felt that this is going to be very tough. So 
It all happened really uh, when we saw that there was funding from CEI to develop MOOC courses. That gave us some initiative and it was advertised that uh, CEI will provide instructional designer, personnel. All we have to do is kind of create the material for these courses. So one of my colleagues in ISD, Integrative Systems and Design, Dr. Saikit Young, he was the one who kind of pushed me over that barrier he said, Ravi, let's do this course. Mm-hmm. Let's do a MOOC for digital design. Once he got going, he really started recording and doing everything with Amy, you know, way before I started. And I was still hesitant. But luckily, you know, it was a co-taught course. So as a result, I was coming in and out of the course, you know, at different times because this was uh, both of us were offering this course. You know, every day he was recording, uh, he used to tell me, this is very tough, Ravi, because uh, every time I make some material, I need to change it so that I can do the recording. And this kind of pushed me back further Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what to do for it. But then finally, it was coming to this do I die situation where I had to do some recording. You know, I had to get it done because this was a joint course. And what I found was that getting the right material was was one of the important things. And then also learning the technology of how to do this MOOC was the other thing. So my first aim there was to kind of get the right material. Took each of the topics that I was teaching at USD, kind of broke them down into bite-sized units. And then I was thinking of TikTok videos, how, you know, how they create these videos and how interesting, attractive they are uh, to get, uh, you know, a person's attention. So... That is what was in the back of my mind. So putting things at one bullet at a time, adding animations and various things to like uh, grab the student's attention and then annotating when necessary, okay? So that I keep the student's interest in whatever I'm talking about. So these are kind of all the things that I kind of went through. So having all these in, things in my mind made it a little difficult, but at the same time, it made it easier in terms of making them. PowerPoint really helped at this point in time because it could do a lot of stuff. All I had to do was have the material there in terms of uh, bullet points or whatever it is. And then I add my voice cut onto that, which made life so much simpler. Yeah. You listed some principles, it sounds like. Did you find yourself consciously or unconsciously following certain principles when you were designing the lecture videos? I would say yes. I've taught at USD for 27 years, so I kind of know what students like to hear and like to see. Mm -hmm. So that really helped me in terms of, you know, what kind of balance to use in these various multimedia things that can be used for uh, these videos. So it was not just talking into a presentation, but, you know, bringing in animations, equipment, uh, bringing in uh, demos showing how software is used for the various things that we talked about. So there were lots of things that I kind of integrated that I couldn't really do in class, so to speak. I mean, there was also cases where I was bringing the lab to the student, which cannot be easily done, you know? So how can you have all this equipment brought into class if it was a face-to-face instruction? So I was able to do these demos, integrate that into the lecture, which kind of made it like, oh, wow, okay, I can see how things are applied in this case. So it gave me an opportunity to bring in a lot of uh, different things into these MOOCs. I mean, it sounds like for demonstrative purposes, it's very useful, as you said, because you can bring things in that you wouldn't normally be able to in a classroom or a lecture hall. Considering this, on the flip side, were there any unexpected challenges that you came across when you were developing this? (laughs) Absolutely. 
Firstly, I thought, you know, once I started, things are going to be easy, you know, in terms of uh, what I had to do. But that was not the case. You know, as you know, you know, recording something, you know, uh, sometimes things go right. Sometimes, you know, things don't. You know, there are days that, you know, things are very easy, very smooth. But there are other days that you will pause, you suddenly forgot what you wanted to say and so on. You know, my memory is not very good. And also at the same time, I don't like to read off a script because, you know, it sounds somewhat boring. So I want to add things as I go along. So I try to do it without any script. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes it a little bit more difficult on my side. But at the same time, it kind of keeps me active so that, you know, someone listening to it doesn't feel like this guy is reading off some script. Uh, the problem was that, you know, as I said, some days were good, some days weren't. So there were extended times, ex- extended recording times. Uh, there were time days that I had to kind of record overnight. And I found that working out quite good because, you mm. know, at night I was able to think much better and able <laughs> to record much better. I don't know why. A clear mind was really needed for these recordings. I mean, the CI studio really helped. Because uh, that was uh, kind of open 24 hours. I can walk in and walk out anytime I wanted. Then uh, Amy was giving me a lot of support. I had another PG student of mine who was also there. So these were all the things that really helped. The only time that I needed someone there was when I had to do uh, green screen recordings. Those kinds of recordings I left for later so that, you know, someone is there. Make sure my grad student is there and then Amy is there and then be able to do this together in one go. It almost makes you appreciate actors in Hollywood and in the industry, right? (laughs) Absolutely, yes. You know, that's one of the things that we were discussing as well is like, how do people do this, you know, their whole lifetime? You know, it's like going through this, you know, and now I can understand why some of them get angry, you know, bash things up, you know, scream (laughs) at others. Yeah. I remember the frustrations when I was doing my MOOCs as well. And the days where there were laughing fits, for some reason, you would just start laughing, chuckle, and then you can't control it. And then you're there for a long time just to record a three minute video. Uh, but and then there are days where you just whip through it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So smooth. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then so, uh, there were other issues, you know, uh, because I wanted to show some things, you know, using software now. Uh-huh. You need to get some demos in, uh, you know, in order to illustrate how to do some things. Uh, But then this means that, you know, whatever you're recording, your actions have to really match with whatever you're going to say. Yes. This creates some problems. So you really need to know what exactly you have in mind in order to do those demo so that the action is matching with what you're saying. You know, sometimes, you know, you have a pause, sometimes the time is not enough. So I had to kind of re-record some of these uh, Svea demos so that, you know, it was matching with each other. You remind me of another conversation I had with someone else when they described a very similar process that you just described. They also said that it forced them to really think from the student's perspective and it's something that they didn't do before or as much when they lectured or did a more traditional approach to teaching and learning. By doing this, it forced them to rethink, well, how are the students receiving this information and is it useful? Did you go through a similar process? Yes, I did. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I had to do these demos many times because I do it and then I listen to it myself and uh, and look at it. It's like, what am I talking here? You know, I don't think the, the concept is very clear. It kind of made me rethink some of the things that I was doing and teaching for a long time. And uh, I didn't really get it until I myself saw what's going on because I've never seen a recording myself. Mm. I mean, there were times that I did record, but I never kind of went through them. 
But in this case, when I went through them, I realized this is not very clear. I need to change it. So sometimes I scrapped some of those things and, you know, started all over again, did something different. Would you say then this this experience has enhanced your teaching? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. In what ways? What would the Ravi of today tell the Ravi of (laughs) (laughs) pre-MOOC? Well, I would say, Sean, uh, I uh, assumed a lot of things that, you know, okay, I thought that, you know, some of the things were clear and I kind of moved forward from that point. But, you know, then having done the MOOC, I realized like, no, there is a gap here. I expect, I assume the students can fill that gap. I wasn't so sure that they would be able to fill it. That's mm-hmm. what happened, you know, when I re-looked at the MOOCs. It's like, no, I need to add some points. So, you know, in fact, uh, there were days where I've told Amy that uh, we need to add something in between because, you know, I'm missing something here. Luckily, the technology kind of allowed us to stop, incorporate something else to add it. Or there were times that, you know, I said, no, okay, forget this one. I'm going to redo this in order to make this very smooth, very clear going, you know, step one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. That makes a lot of sense. I'd like to move on a little bit now and talk a little bit about the student's perspective and your views on designing the MOOC courses and also how that might have transferred into your teaching in other areas. Students sometimes have a different mindset when it comes to teaching and learning and a different approach. And fully online course is new to them just as as much as it is new to some of us. Have you had to do anything to give a buy-in for students or to convince them that it's a worthwhile experience? One of the things after we did everything was looking at the whole thing and saying, how do we get students into this? Exactly, you know, what you're asking. So we did a promotion video. That had to be quite interesting in order to capture the students' interest to know how and why this course is important. For the digital design course, uh, we use, uh, you know, part of uh, Terminator, you know, some of the uh, things related to Terminator in order to get students' attention to say, hey, this is how, you know, use things like, you know, uh, digital design to do these kinds of animations. That really helped, I think. Whoever saw it was very impressed by the uh, promotion video. Amy gave a lot of ideas on what to do and what will make it interesting. On the flip side, we knew that don't need so much buy-in because, you know, students do like to watch videos, but they like to watch short videos. So it was a case of capturing the right content for a limited period of time so that, you know, they get or we give the important things that they need in order to proceed. This is what was in our mind. And then again, as I said before, you know, this TikTok videos was what we were thinking about, you know, right through. It's like, how do we make a TikTok video on this subject? The good thing was also the digital design course. It was more on animation, how to do animation, how to uh, develop models and so on. So movies gave a lot of ideas in terms of, you know, how we can do go about doing things. So even demos, we try to do as much as possible so that, you know, the material or the content uh, relates to what students have seen before. Is like, oh, I see now how these have been created kind of mindset. We're sparking their interest in this way and, and we're showing how it's relevant in different ways to students. And I'd like to come back a little bit to what you said earlier at the very beginning of our conversation, this ability for them to go at their own pace. But you also touched on the fact that they can rewatch the videos. They can engage the content whenever, how often, at whatever pace they want. Do you see this as having a positive impact on their learning? Or do you see a difference than, say, your other teaching experiences? 
I think being able to do things at their own pace when time's available, I think is a very good thing. If you think about, you know, how people learn, how people want to do certain things, you know, when it comes to a classroom setting, you're kind of forcing them to come at that time, whatever time that's allocated for that particular class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they may have had a bad day, bad morning, uh, whatever it is. They may not be able to focus and uh, their attention may be somewhere else for whatever reason. So having this MOOC really helps them, you know, whenever they are free, they know that they've got to do this. It allows them to give their complete focus. It's limited, you know, maybe eight minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is for each module. People today, you know, eight minutes or 10 minutes, something that they will put into watching a video. They can grab one concept at a time. So we are giving chunks rather than a whole set of principles, concepts, whatever it is over one and a half hours or one hour period of time, which is any person cannot really keep their attention for maybe, you know, more than 30 to 45 minutes, but I think this new generation, maybe five to 10 minutes. Yeah, I I worry about that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I mean, even in class, when you look at them face to face, you know, at the beginning, they are very attentive, but then you can gradually see how they are getting very jittery, you know, kind of moving around, you know, should I bring my phone out? You see those kinds of situations in a classroom. And um, so having this kind of MOOC, these limitations do not exist. These constraints do not exist. They can do whatever they want at any time. Gives them that freedom. And I think this freedom is very good as long as too much freedom is not given, you know, in terms of what they really have to cover, you know. I mean, if they're taking six courses like this, I'm not sure how they're going to kind of multitask between these courses. So needs to be some continuity as well. So it's something that I think we need to really think about how to bring in, you know, if someone's taking one more course, it's okay. But, you know, if you have six of these courses that you're taking, how would a person really kind of multitask, go back and forth in Mm -hmm. order to get those done? That's I think that's another issue. And it's a common misconception that multitasking, a lot of people think they can do it, but Time and time again, the research shows that, no, we're not good at multitasking at all. So, yeah, that's a, that's good a good advice to consider. Moving on to the success of the MOOCs and that, what kind of metrics have you used to show how well the MOOCs are doing? How do you measure the success of a MOOC? So we've been looking at a few different things. One was the course completion rate. How many uh, students who started the course went through the entire course. Uh, Then the engagement rates, you know, basically uh, almost every one or two weeks, I kind of check how many students were engaged during that particular time. This was pretty good in terms of, you know, what they were doing and where were they spending each one so that, you know, we could think about changing some of those activities that we have, how they were responding to quizzes and assignments. Then also comments uh, that they were posting, if there were any. Didn't have too many of them, but uh, whenever there was something posted, it kind of gave us some idea about how they are and how they are doing. You know, it tells us uh, if they have a really good interest, you know, the comments are asking questions, how do they move forward to something else? So kind of gives a good indication of, you know, how successful it's going. Then, of course, you know, student satisfaction at the end of the course so that we can see what they thought about it and the feedback that they gave about all the material and the content. All these are kind of things that we kind of used in terms of the success of the book. The end part there that you described is important, but I like what you were talking about beforehand, because really this is the meat of being a good teacher. You're able to, if you're able to get feedback during the progress of a course, it allows you to adjust your teaching and learning. It allows you to cater to the students' needs that's more relevant to them, right? 
my experience with MOOCs and online courses is I have access to more information. I can truly see how students are doing, how they're engaging with the content. And it does allow me to adjust more easily in what I'm doing in a course as opposed to a course where I'm just teaching face-to-face. I mean, I can do it in that setting too, but I find it's a lot easier in an online course. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You're absolutely right. Because, you know, it's easy to adjust because all you have to do is replace whatever you have or add to whatever you have, you know, Mm. into wherever you think you need to. So it's way easier than, you know, doing something and then, you know, trying to explain all over again. If you were to do a face-to-face class, it's like going through all the material and adding that component in there so that the students have some continuity in whatever they are learning. But here, Mm. all you have to do is add a module, a unit, whatever it is in between whatever you already have. Mm -hmm. Makes it much easier. I think there are pros and cons here. You know, if you were doing this MOOC as the students were learning, it will kind of help you to modify the latter part of the course. But that is not how it's done. It's we recorded everything and then put it out and the students start looking at it. So uh, making changes means, you know, you're going through all over again, you know. Luckily, we didn't we didn't have too many comments, so you know it was not not really bad because everything was kind of addressed. If you had a lot of comments, then you know it becomes a problem. It's kind of like redoing everything, you know, from a certain point onwards. That's true, and that's a lot of work if you have to redo a lot of videos. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I want to do that. Thank you very much for talking about this. I'll just maybe wrap up our conversation about if you have any advice for professors who are thinking about converting the courses into a MOOC, both the constraints and the benefits, right? What what kind of advice would you give them? The main thing is breaking that barrier. Uh, I know everyone's been kind of teaching face-to-face. Now things have been online, but you don't get a lot of satisfaction to teaching online because most students are not with their videos on. You have no idea, you know, uh, whether anyone's there or not. Uh, Sometimes, you know, I had classes of like 80 students and uh, maybe three or four students have their videos. I have no idea what they are doing, whether anyone is even behind those screens. With a MOOC, it's a different story. Yes, uh, you are still talking to a screen. You don't see anyone in this case, but... uh, you know, you get a lot of satisfaction seeing how many people are taking your course and also how much interest they have in terms of the final feedback and so on. So the biggest thing, I think, is breaking that barrier, which is classroom teaching to a MOOC. What do I need, really need to do in order to uh, get this MOOC started? Uh, this was my biggest barrier. Am I going to do this? Yes, I like to do this, but, you know, do I want to do something again that I, you know, never done before? But this is where CI really helped because in terms of whatever I couldn't do or whatever I had problem, CI was always there. I've talked to a lot of other people who've done MOOCs. You know, they've Mm -hmm. done everything themselves. There are people who have done things in their basement, in their houses, because the university hasn't supported them. Oh, really? But I think, you know, at UST with CI, we are very lucky and I'm so glad that CI was there always and I had that support and I was able to do it. Otherwise, you know, it would have always been a case where I think about it, but I never get down to doing it. Well, that makes me really happy that the center's there uh, and able to provide the support that you needed. Thank you very much for sharing your stories. Thank you for listening to Enlight, brought to you by the Center of Education Innovation of HKUST. We hope you found today's episode insightful and thought-provoking. Enlight is produced by the team at CEI, hosted by Dr. Sean McMinn, graphic design by Ling Wong, sound design by Ken Yu, and a big thank you to our editorial team. 
Beatrice Chu, Amy Chong, Crystal Luo, and Yui Lam. Thank you again for listening to Enlight, and we look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations in the future.